0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Notable Man Downfield Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Golian. And episode two, hopefully you like the little intro music there. We're going to try to keep adding little bits and little bits and pieces as we go. But episode two, getting underway here. If you're looking for episode one, uh, go to anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash Chris dash Golian, G-O-L-I-A-N on the spelling there. Follow the show on Twitter, at I am Downfield. See some of my thoughts and feelings, some funny videos and clips of things like that, a couple of big guy touchdowns this weekend in college football, and I'm always a, a sap for those. Can't help them. Love the big guy touchdowns. But, but keeping things with college football, I'm going to talk about two teams I was kind of – leaning towards last week as potential college football playoff contenders from the Group of Five Conference, the American Athletic Conference, the AAC, home of the Southern Methodist University Mustangs and the University of Cincinnati Bearcats, two teams that I think have a shot. Cincinnati right now is standing at number eight in the AP Top 25 poll. SMU is at number 17, and both of them have some intriguing matchups this week. We'll start with... The Friday night game, SMU taking on Tulane. They'll be on the road. Um, SMU is a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Unfortunately, they're missing two of their biggest weapons on offense in Reggie Robertson and TJ McDaniel. Robertson, a wide receiver that um, is a favorite target of quarterback Bushell. And TJ McDaniel is, is has been heading their rushing attack this season. Both of them lost their seasons due to leg injuries, so not exactly a great way to start our SMU intro for this Friday night game. Tulane has had some injuries as well um, and just has tr- is struggling to find an identity. I think this one isn't even that close. I think SMU finds a way to light up the scoreboard and they get through this one and they cruise on to 5-0. Really high over under in that game, too. Tulane hasn't averaged too many points this season in their limited schedule. And over under set there at 64.5. So interesting there. But I I got to take the Mustangs. They're really hot right now. So, with that, plus that, I need the Mustangs to win because that sets up the, the rubber match against Cincinnati next week. Speaking of Cincinnati, they're going on the road for the first time this season, going down to Tulsa, Oklahoma to take on. The Tulsa Golden Hurricane football team. This is another intriguing matchup. Cincinnati has struggled with Tulsa in years past. Tulsa carrying in some momentum to this game as well with an impressive win a few weeks ago over UCF. Cincinnati is uh, is the favorite, uh, minus three in this game. Uh, right now the Tulsa defensive line is playing pretty stout. Cincinnati has been... Done a great job in protection. They've only allowed 15 tackles for a loss in three combined games this season. The real big X factor in this one is going to be Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter. Ritter's had some ups and downs already this season. He's thrown for six touchdowns and four interceptions uh, right now, but he's the leader of the pack of this Bearcat offense, and and they're really going to need him. Uh, Last year against Tulsa, he was 12 of 22 for 172 yards and a touchdown. Not exactly a, a stellar performance, and they're just going to need a little bit more from him in this one. But I think the Bearcats can do it with such a stout defense. They've really been able to create pressure and and make teams make bad decisions on offense and put their offense in a good situation. I think with a, a veteran coach like Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman running the defense over there, this Cincinnati team is is in a good spot. They're going to be in a good situation. I think that they. For all intents and purposes, we'll get the win down in Tulsa. So I don't think it'll be easy. It'll definitely be a close one. They're going to come out of this one unscathed. They're going to move on to 4-0, and and so next week we'll have SMU at 5-0 and Cincinnati at 4-0 and for a rubber match. This Cincinnati team is really getting some looks for the college football playoff, and I'm excited about it. I'd love to see them do it. I'm mostly just rooting for just some sort of group of five. I want to see one of these schools, smaller schools, get in. And, and make a little bit of noise. And I think Cincinnati, because of their the way that they can play defense, and they've taken their lumps against some big-time opponents uh, last year having a tough matchup against Ohio State. and So they have that experience, and I think that that will serve them well, and they could make an impressive showing if they were to get the chance to play in the college football playoff. And with the way that things are going this year, I think anything is possible. As I keep things with college football, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up in. I'm, I'm far from an expert on anything medically related, but the outbreaks of COVID-19 that are plaguing college football this week are pretty alarming, and it's it's kind of coming at every single level possible. Most recently, we've seen Nick Saban and Alabama athletic director Greg Byrne have tested positive. Lane Kiffin is talking about an outbreak at Ole Miss; they're having issues. LSU in Florida has been postponed because Florida has had a massive outbreak. Vanderbilt and Missouri is postponed due to uh, Vanderbilt's COVID-related issues. Baylor, I saw an article recently, has reported 42 different cases among 28 players and 14 staffers. Um, They had to postpone a game against Oklahoma State. If things haven't been hard enough to continue with these problems... And I I truthfully don't know what the answer is. Um, I don't know how realistic uh, a bubble situation for college football would be. Right now, these teams are playing just conference games. So the NCAA and the Power Five commissioners, when they agreed to play these games, were talking about sort of their own bubble by just playing conference games. And conference games, for the most part, are you know within a close radius of the state, if not within the state itself. Well, that's what they're doing, and we're still seeing the issues. The traveling, if I had to, if I had to point a finger at something, the traveling concerns are, are what are kind of plaguing these teams most likely. Now, obviously, it could be some irresponsible behavior, uh, but it's you know amongst students, not kind of you know staying isolated and staying amongst the same group of people, but you know, I'm not here to point fingers at anything, but clearly I think the traveling plays a factor each and every week, going to different communities, uh, being exposed to different people. There's various amounts of fans in some of these stadiums as well. I'm not sure if that plays a factor at all. Um, Most places you're separated enough, but I'm not really sure. I'm no epidemiologist. It's just unfortunate. I hope that as the Big Ten in the Pac-12 and the Mid-American Conference and the Mountain West Conference see this, and they're getting ready to start up about next week, that this doesn't discourage them or at least they can use some of these instances as examples of how to proceed and how to take extra precautions and, and things of that nature so that we don't have just widespread outbreaks and then we have to see the shutdown of college football the way we saw the shutdown of college basketball the NBA, the NHL, um, Major League Baseball, and what have you. I would like to see them continue this college football season. I'm not sure how this all factors into bowl season as well. So they've adjusted the requirements to be bowl eligible due to shortened seasons in various capacities with whatever conference that you're affiliated with. But you know the nature of bowl games is to travel to these different locations, to be there for two weeks, so maybe because you're there for roughly two weeks, you would be able to quarantine safely and get the testing. But I, I think that would be on the, the bowl games and their um, their boards, so to speak, on whether they would provide the testing themselves or what what would happen in that situation. It's crazy to think that we already should be talking about that. But with the season shortened in various capacities, teams in some cases are halfway through their schedules it's not really too early to be talking about bulls, but definitely something that I'll be, you know, talking about on this on this podcast in the future to see what kind of things get get said or brought up as it relates to that. We'll shift gears now and go to the world of the National Football League. Big news this week in the NFL, and I know a lot of people are going to be pretty upset about it. But the NFL has decided to cancel the Pro Bowl. This will be the first time the NFL does not have a postseason All-Star game since 1949. Uh, They did this in an effort to make sure that they can complete the regular season. uh, Obviously with a lot of games being delayed and having to have games on Tuesday nights and double, double Monday night football games. Right now, the NFL is trying to give themselves as much flexibility as possible to finish their regular season and get to the postseason. So eliminating the Pro Bowl in a time where I I think guys already don't want to play in it. So adding everything with this, this pandemic, probably a lot more guys won't want to play in it. So it's not even worth the effort. However, there still will be Pro Bowl teams voted on by fans, players, and coaches. These selected players... Are going to participate in a bunch of different activities virtually. So no, likely no skills competition. I'm not sure what they're going to do if they're all going to play Madden. There's certainly going to be no dodgeball game this year, which, admittingly, is is a interesting and a favorite part of mine. So I enjoy seeing that that activity. But I don't know what exactly they're going to do. But I, I guess I'm waiting with with bated breath on on what they're going to have these guys do virtually, and how much fun it'll actually be. Uh, you know, sometimes the NFL. Well, I, I should say this: the NFL in this situation has been trying to revolutionize and do something with the Pro Bowl to make it more fun. So I'm curious to see what this most recent, uh, what this most recent attempt will look like. As we enter Week Six of the NFL season. I wanted to take a look at some power rankings via NFL.com. What an interesting year 2020 has been in in a lot of different ways. And so uh, I wanted to just go over the top 10 teams that they have here. Coming in at number 10 is the New Orleans Saints. Boy, a really tough performance from Drew Brees the other night on Monday Night Football. I mean, you want to talk about uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Tale of two halves was in full play for the Saints and Drew Brees. In the first half, he looked like he lost his fastball. He didn't have it anymore. Looked like Father Time had finally caught up with Drew Brees. And then the second half, unbelievable. Wiped out a 17-point second-quarter deficit en route to a 30-27 to 27 overtime win and a really nice play to end it in overtime by Marshawn Lattimore, proving that defense can, in fact, still win championships. Well, not, cha- not a championship, but they can win Monday night football games. We move on to number nine, and this is a surprising one and, and a big one for a lot of people I know that, that have tuned into the podcast, but the Cleveland Browns cracking the top 10. Last week they had them at number 13. You know, the first time that they're 4-1 since 1994, Matt. You know, let me know if you've heard that before. Uh, It's been pretty popular on social media, but the Cleveland Browns are rolling, and they're playing some pretty impressive football. Their performance against the Indianapolis Colts last week really spoke volumes, I think, to where they're at because the Colts are, are a pretty similar team in how they were attacking things to the Browns. Their offense wasn't quite as explosive as Cleveland's, but they've been running the football efficiently. They've been playing great defense, and they haven't been turning the football over well. The Browns uh, had Phillip Rivers turning the football over. They had the defense on their heels at at times. They were able to sustain drives, get down the field, and, and score points. Really great performance by them overall, offensively and defensively. Uh, they have a tough test this week in the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Steelers have equally as tough of a test in figuring out how to stop that Cleveland Browns offense and how to minimize the impact that Miles Garrett can have on a game which uh, not too many people have had the answer for there, though there are some clips out there and I shared them on uh, an Eligible Man downfield Twitter page so you could you know take a look at them there, follow us at I am Downfield of Quentin Nelson and Miles Garrett. You want to talk about a, a battle of two titans at their position. Moving on to number eight, the Los Angeles Rams. And this one's a little bit unlikely. Not a lot of people were very high on the Rams coming into this year. And that division is just super competitive uh, over there in the nfc west you know between them in arizona and seattle and san francisco is sort of the the darling in everyone's eye and and boy they've they're off to a rough start a lot of injuries there too jared goff has been playing well aaron donald is is still a monster he leads the nfl at defensive tackles in the nfl i should say seven and a half sacks he's on pace for 24 this season That would be a record in and of itself. The defense of the Rams overall is just allowing 108 total yards for opposing offenses. And, I mean, that is just crippling. And with their ability to score points, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Jared Goff, very efficient. Kind of a running back by committee, a little bit of everybody in there. The Rams, really impressive as they, you know, come into this week four and one. Number seven, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, They're coming down a little bit. They had them at four last week. They had a tough time at Tuesday night in Nashville. You know, who could have imagined that the Tennessee Titans would be that prepared after not practicing for a couple of weeks? But I still think the Bills are a great football team. You know, something, and maybe this is just what I hear locally because they were drafted in, in the same draft class, but Josh Allen seems to get a lot of hate around Cleveland, and I just don't really understand it. Maybe he gets a lot of hate nationally as well. You know, obviously coming off of a tough loss here, Josh Allen just seems to be a winner. He just makes things happen. Maybe a little unconventional in how much that he runs, and I think that his accuracy could use some work, but he's definitely improved as a player from that guy that we saw uh, coming into the draft from Wyoming. I really enjoy the Buffalo Bills. Coming in at number six, the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson is just so impressive, and he continues to impress week after week. The rest of the Seahawks, uh, I've been surprised by some of their defensive performances, but you know Russell Wilson is really the the um, the cliche the straw that stirs the drink for this team, and he has been for some time. Uh, Pete Carroll, as much as I don't like to say it because I'm not really a huge fan of Pete Carroll, dating back to his days at USC, has done a good job of of leading this club back. They're really performing well offensively and defensively. Number five, the Tennessee Titans. Boy, speaking of head coaches, the impressive job that Mike Vrabel has done down in Tennessee is really unbelievable. All this COVID outbreak, it gets worse by the day. It derails the season. They're locked out of the team facility. And somehow the his team's still able to perform like nothing happened. That and I think that they deserve, the Titans deserve to be in the top five just off of that Derrick Henry stiff arm against Josh Norman. Yikes. You know, I saw a lot of people putting that all over social media. But, but what a powerful, powerful play. The other thing that I'd, I'd like to add about the Titans is, Ryan Tannehill, and Ryan Tannehill was impressive last year, but he was impressive more in in a limited role. He's really helped that offense be efficient in the red zone, and he's looked like a completely different player than he was in Miami. It kind of makes you wonder what was going on down there, and a lot of people have been pointing the finger at Adam Gase. Uh, Pretty easy to do now with his lack of success there with the New York Jets. Moving on to number four, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are four and zero for the first time since 1979, which is kind of unbelievable when you think about some of the success that they've had as a franchise since 1979. And somebody like Mike Tomlin, who's been at the helm for for a long time, you know, one of the I think he's top three in tenured head coaches in the NFL. He's never had a losing season, but yet he's never been four and zero. Unbelievable performance by Chase Claypool, scoring four touchdowns against the Philadelphia Eagles. Ben Roethlisberger has continued to make progress each and every week, it seems like. He's getting a little bit more comfortable being back there and taking some shots on occasion and things like that. The Steelers really need to develop and figure things out in the running game. It has not helped them that, They've kind of had a revolving door at people on the offensive line, at least from the interior perspective. But regardless, they're just not getting the production that they need out of running backs. I know that earlier in the season there were some totals that would suggest that that they were running the ball efficiently, but those guys mostly got most of those yards on, on single chunk plays or one or two smaller chunk plays, but not sustainable. The defense in this game, I hate to say regressed, but... That would probably be the best way to to put it. Um, They were not as sharp as they have been in weeks past, and some people have been saying that about this defense this whole season. They were still able to uh, get to Carson Wentz and force some pressures and force him into some bad decisions and a couple of turnovers, but they have their work cut out for them this week with the Cleveland Browns. Some legit star power on offense, um, no matter where you're looking. On the offensive line, at the wide receiver position, at the running back spot, even Dearness Johnson come, kind of coming into that number two role in for an injured Nick Chubb has put together uh, two impressive games. I'm not sure how this one's going to go. Um, it's going to be difficult for whoever wins. They're going to have to play almost a perfect football game, and that's never an easy task. Number three, the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens you know, had seven sacks on Sunday, each by a different player, which is, I thought, a pretty interesting statistic you don't see that a lot, usually you see a guy kind of take hold, maybe get one or two or two and a half himself. Nope, seven seven sacks, seven different defenders. Lamar Jackson and their offense have just continued to roll. Right now, their offense, especially the way that they've been able to run the football by committee, and that it's sort of a different guy each week is pretty impressive to me. You know, they struggled a little bit in the passing game this past Sunday, but, you know, this is a running team, and that's what they do best. So uh, that doesn't surprise me that they'll have games like that, but I still think that their offense is is not something to toy with, and the Baltimore Ravens, I think, have earned that number three ranking. Number two, down from number one this week, the Kansas City Chiefs with a, a tough performance against the Oakland well, no, not the Oakland Raiders, but the Las Vegas Raiders taking the L there, allowing Derek Carr and company to you know pile up around 500 yards of total offense. You know they had five plays of at least 40 yards, and they were able to get to Patrick Mahomes on a consistent basis. But obviously, the gunslinger that he is, kept them in that that football game. It's really tough to have a lot of knocks on on the Chiefs. I mean, a lot of people are making a big deal about this loss, but. I didn't really think they would be an undefeated team, but I still think they're one of the best teams in the NFL. And number one coming up to this spot after the Kansas City loss is the Green Bay Packers. Yes, they get the number one ranking according to NFL.com on their bye week, which is interesting, but the way that they've been playing football, they are hitting on all cylinders, and and they, they are every part of that cliche right now. Aaron Rodgers is putting up excellent point totals and stats each and every week. He's not turning over the football. The defense. Sidarius Smith entered Week Five tied for the league lead in sacks. Aaron Jones right now is is on a fifteen hundred yard rushing pace. They've had a multitude of weapons come through. You know, people talked a lot about their receivers. Their receivers. Alan Lazard has done a really good job. Uh, of you know being that consistent playmaker before coming down with an injury just a lot of guys have been contributing it's uh, really unbelievable to see a lot, not a lot of people were, were very high on this green bay team but head coach matt lafleur and aaron Rodgers, sort of you know captaining the ship have really done an impressive job uh, i'm looking forward to seeing them back in action this week well that'll do it for episode number two of the ineligible man downfield be sure to check us out. Give us a follow on Twitter at Downfield. Check out our link through anchor.fm slash chris-golian. That's G-O-L-I-A-N on Golian, anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. At that link, you can find us on you know, the Anchor app, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify. You know We're looking to add more carriers of the show each week. I'll update that on Twitter whenever that comes out. So make sure you follow us on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in for Episode 2. See you next week for Episode 3.